Their paths crossed like two hot wires. We are just about the friendliest folks you'd ever want to meet. That's Bonnie. I'm sorry, I was looking for Maude. Everyone has the right to make an ass out of themselves. You can't let the world judge you too much. That woman, she took my car. This is Bonnie and Maude, the film podcast, with Xenia Yarosh and Eleanor Kagan. Hey, you're listening to Bonnie and Maude. This is Eleanor Kagan. And this is Xenia Yarosh. This is part two of the, I suppose, finale of Bonnie and Maude, the film podcast. Um, but not the finale of Bonnie and Maude as a conceptual creative endeavor <laughs> by Ksenia and I. Um, this is part two. In part one, there's a little bit more explanation about this. So if this is the first episode you're listening to, um, you can head back to part one, uh, which is our interview with Signa Bauman, and hear a little bit more about what's new with us. <laughs> uh, and I'll also note that the archives for Bonnie and Maude will remain active. So if you want to go back and listen to our previous episodes, there's plenty of content for you to go through uh, and enjoy. And definitely feel free to reach out to us at Bonnie and Maude at Gmail. We'd love to hear you even when the podcast is no longer up. So I do have to say, like, I've loved doing this podcast with you, but the thing that has, like, very much exhilarated me was any time we did a live show. Absolutely. Um, And so this interview that we're playing in this episode is from the last live show that we did um, back in June of 2015 uh, called Pregnant Pause. It was a co-production we did with the Doula Project, which is an amazing uh, reproductive rights activist organization based in New York. And the show was a variety show that explored representations of pregnancy, choice, and abortion in pop culture and entertainment. You can find out more about that event at doulaproject.org or by visiting Bonnie and Maude and going to the events tab. Yeah, it was incredibly fun. Ksenia, you were eight months pregnant um, during this show? Yes, and so was Gillian. Yes, yeah, so was <laughs> Gillian Robespierre. Um, she joined us, which was like such a thrill for me, both of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of us, really. Um, she's the director and co-writer of the film Obvious Child, uh, which starred Jenny Slate. And, you know, it was kind of like falsely uh, pinned as like the abortion rom-com <laughs> when really... Jenny Slate's character, Donna, choosing to have an abortion is really just one tiny part of the movie. Mm. And um, that's kind of like what made that movie feel like kind of revolutionary to me. It didn't center around a woman just like toiling over this choice. What's she going to do? It was just like she made this choice and then the rest of the film plays out and really focuses on her relationships with the other people in the movie. Absolutely. Um, And what I particularly enjoyed about the show, uh, which is something obviously you won't necessarily get from the audio version, is that there were a number of uh, pregnant women in the audience. There were some um, mothers with their children. And um, I think it's just always really important to remember that choice is not just for one set of women. It's all of us. And um, pregnancy and choice are all very much intertwined. And we should do our best to support and love each other and, um, you know, appreciate the decisions that we make in our life um, without judgment. 100% agree. (laughs) 
Ksenia, you and I did a little kind of like opening presentation in this show where we kind of went through some of the tropes of pregnancy and abortion and choice often seen in film. And and something that you brought to that that I still think about is how pregnancy is a reproductive choice that is visual, but you cannot know a woman's reproductive choices and experiences by looking at her those who do show signs of pregnancy, those who don't, you can never know what a woman's history with reproductive experiences and choices are. So that's also something to bear in mind always when reserving your judgment. Because mm-hmm. we're all just trying to live. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, maybe at some point we'll we'll share that um, that presentation with people. There are a lot of visuals, so maybe we'll do it as like a yeah, like a slideshow or something like that on the website, bonnieandma.com. Dear listeners, yes, please keep an eye <laughs> on our website and our Twitter and Facebook. We'll keep posting things as they come to us, mm-hmm. uh, promote um, other people's films, um, interesting articles that we found. Like you'll keep hearing from us, even though there won't be any more podcast episodes. Like we'd love to continue the conversation with you. Absolutely. Um, so from that, let's take a listen to our conversation with Gillian Robespierre, which we recorded on June 3rd at the Bell House in Brooklyn. All right. Please welcome Gillian Robespierre to the stage. We're so happy you're here. Thank you so much. I love this movie so much. Thank you. I haven't seen it in a while. It was very exciting to watch it again. Um, Jenny and I just did another project, but she wears a lot more makeup than the new one. <laughs> she looks so fresh and beautiful and young in this. Fresh-faced. Um, so in case you guys haven't seen it, Obvious Child, uh, in Obvious Child, we meet Donna, who's played by Jenny Slate. Uh, she's a sort of up-and-coming, sort of struggling stand-up comic. She gets dumped. She has a one-night stand. She gets pregnant and chooses to have an abortion. So in re-watching this movie, uh, I was reminded that her choosing to have an abortion is just like a thing that happens in the movie um, amid, amid so much relationship building and character development. And so when you have people saying, yeah, this is the abortion rom-com, was that like... How did that make you feel? Like, how did you, did you, was that what you were going for? No, I went to film school. No, I was looking for something deeper. You don't like to be reduced to a rom-com? <laughs> no, I actually do. Um, I love rom-coms. Um, no, I think, you know, at first, uh, my collaborators and myself were a little turned off by it. We felt that it did reduce the film. Uh, it was so much more than just a rom-com. Um, and it took away from a couple of moments we really wanted to highlight, which is the other parts of your life that go that happen when you are going through uh, the decision-making process of having an abortion and having an abortion, and life does go on. But um, ultimately, we kind of uh, not fell in love with the title, uh, but we uh, embraced it. And um, what it did was a lot of publications that normally don't use the word abortion ever um, and it's not just the feminist ones. It was like, you know, these, like, variety and um, Entertainment Weekly. All those fancy places were saying abortion, 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 and not smush-mortion or whatever else. All the many um, euphemisms. Right. Um, and that was really exciting. And it sort of took the stigma off the word. So uh, we embraced it. And um, it's even on our poster. That's awesome. Yeah, why not? 
Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen the word abortion on a movie poster before. So that's great. I don't think so. You're not <laughs> looking closely enough. <laughs> um, and you mentioned that, you know, your reason for writing this movie and making this movie was to combat a lot of the tropes around pregnancy and choice and like abortion. Like you weren't seeing yourself represented as far as I remember hearing. Um, are there like specific movies that like irked you or like certain characters that you thought skewed choice the wrong way? It wasn't just one movie. It was just a lack of movies in general. Um, I hate shit-talking other films, and I did enjoy Knocked Up, and I did enjoy Juno. Um, obviously, love Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Dirty Dancing, which I just watched like two days ago on Netflix. It's amazing. Um, but that's five movies, you know, and um, that's not a lot. And no, my, you know, I didn't believe it. It showed all the stories that can be told. Um, and one is having a safe abortion, uh, regrets-free abortion, a movie with an actual funny leading lady in it. Um, those were all things we sort of thought about um, putting on the screen and we're kind of waiting for a really long time to see. Um, but we, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And it didn't happen, so um, in 2009 I made a short with my friends Anna Bean and Karen Main. It all sort of stemmed from a thesis paper she had uh, been writing at the New School about um, the lack of representation of unplanned pregnancy in the media, but also in, in mostly movies. And it was just sort of like, she's like, let's go out and do this. I'm like, yeah, I would, <laughs> I'm on board. I haven't made a movie in a while. I just graduated film school. And uh, we shot the short in four days or less, I think three and a half. Um, and uh, it just, the response that was ignited was just really exciting. Um, and it kind of felt like people were waiting to see this movie. And uh, so we turned it into a feature years, years later. <laughs> Not that many years. <laughs> you can see the short on the DVD, like one of the many perks of actually getting a DVD of a movie, not just getting it on Get iTunes. Get the DVD, guys. Um, yeah, it's, it's really great. And you, like, you can see the bones of what the feature became, but there's like little changes that were made. Oh, tremendous amount of changes. I mean, the, yeah, the bones were there. It was always going to be about a woman who gets dumped pregnant uh, just in time for Valentine's Day. But, uh, you know, we had to turn those 20 minutes into 80, a nice 89. Um, and so, you know, it cut my uh, co-writers, Karen Main and Elizabeth Holm, and I just were just, you know, trying to figure out how to do that how to expand this, um, you know, sort of neat story that we already made in 2009. And one idea we had was to make Jenny Slate's character a stand-up comedian. Yes. To make her somebody who was, you know, unable to sort of communicate her feelings in real life, and yet on stage she felt free and honest and um, was able to share with strangers her deepest, darkest secrets. Um, and then that enabled her to, you know, step off stage and tell the closest people in her life what's going on. So that was the big catalyst to the, the change of, from over the short. In the short, she was a freelancer because we we were uh, we were lazy writers. <laughs> the thing about her being a comedian is so key to the way that she addresses her own choice and her abortion, her experience in this. Because, like you said, she gets up on stage like 
has this experience where she can just talk to people and say truth. And like even in the scene, which we'll actually watch uh, in a couple moment or in a couple minutes, you can see kind of the faces of the people in the audience who are hearing her say these words. There are a lot of women in that audience. And I almost wonder if they're thinking, oh yeah, I have a story like that. I really want to share it with her after her set. Yeah, yeah, actually that actually that was on the cutting room floor. Um, oh yeah? Where two uh, people who are watching her stand up come up to her and afterwards and say, you know, that was amazing and, you know, uh, you know, want to share their story with her too, but we had to cut it out, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, while, while writing the, the feature, we all decided like it would be funny if every extra, female extra in the film has had an abortion. Really? Uh, you know. Did that wind up happening? No, I mean, it was just us. <laughs> no, we didn't only hire people who've had abortions. How do you cast that? No, but it's the idea. Do you have to, like, bring the proof? Like, yes. the paperwork? Yes. The receipts from Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Um, no, it was just, like, a running joke where, you know, like, the waitress, everybody in the film has had an abortion. But, um, yeah, we were hoping that that scene... Uh, when when people watched it and watched the extras react to Jenny's stand-up, that they would go home and tell their significant others or their mothers or their best friends, you know, much like the film would do, hopefully, start that conversation within our lives personally and, and publicly. But it, I don't think, you know, uh, going on stage is the only way you can deal with um, how, you know, having gone through an abortion, I think that's probably the last thing most normal people would ever think of doing. But this is the way that we wanted to tell this story. It's just one woman's story. It's not the norm, I think, to, to the urge to like publicly share, but also the idea of what it means to share out loud, to say those words out loud to somebody. Um, and, and not only does it take the stigma off of the word publicly, but it also relieves your own um, fears, uh, which I think is really important. Absolutely. I haven't said the word abortion so much in one night in front of so many people ever, and it, it's great. It's great to talk about. Um, have After this movie came out, did people come up to you and want to share their stories as well? Do you suddenly, did you suddenly become the keeper of like so many people's life stories? Millions of abortions. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was actually great. We took a tour with the film before it opened in theaters. Um, we hit a lot of states. And after every screening and every Q&A, people did come up to us and uh, share their stories. And it was amazing. And we were really honored and grateful and um, for those moments. And uh, it was kind of un... You know, we just didn't think that was going to happen. Um, it was... Uh, Really exciting. And then when it obviously, you know, hit the theaters and people were writing on their Facebook walls about their own abortions and linking it to Avi's child, it was really fucking cool. When I watched the movie, I, I was really struck by how, like, usually in film and often in real life, like, there's an aloneness to abortion and, um, like, her, her friends in the film, and actually I think in real life, Gabe and Gabby Hoffman, um, play this really important role where they provide support and they like offer insight into what an abortion might be and distract her, which I think perfectly ties in with the doula project because they fulfill that role at least in part. Um, so I just I wanted you to talk a little about 
Gabby and Gabe's yes. <laughs> characters. First of all, I love your earrings. I'm very Thank distracted you. by your tiny little baby <laughs> tiny earrings. babies. I just... <laughs> um, she's got great earrings. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to put that on my poster. <laughs> Did you make them? No. Okay. But a compliment from you. <laughs> well, you also have a great dress. Thank um, you. And a, you have a great jumpsuit. And you guys, you guys are, are all beautiful. <laughs> I was alone all day today, and this is my first time speaking to 300 people. So, uh, yes, um, Gabby and Gabe and uh, the mother. You know, it was our intention to tell different stories. Yes, to calm the nerves of Donna, Jenny's character, but also to share different experiences. Uh, Gabby Hoffman's character had hers... Uh, done when she was in high school. Um, another plot line that landed on the cutting room floor is that she grew up in Florida. Um, <laughs> cool. Why was that cut? It just didn't work, work <laughs> with the timing. But um, because the meat of it is that she was in high school and she didn't was unable to tell her mom. Um, and then you know the Donna's mother. Polly Draper had hers pre-Roe v. Wade, so, um, but again, she had a supportive parent who drove her in the family station wagon. So we wanted to highlight different uh, generations going through an abortion, but we also wanted to highlight that um, what happens when you actually do share your story and tell it. It's not always um, traumatic. It's not always, you know, go, go lock you in the basement or send you to a, like a off for six months to a Catholic nunnery. I don't know. I'm just thinking of Mermaids, the movie. Yes. <laughs> um, um, you know, so we wanted to make it realistic and also funny. I, I love that there's actually a scene where Jenny Slate gets into a cab and you think that she's going to see her love interest, but the twist is that she's actually going to see her mother and it's such an emotional exchange because... You know, she was embarrassed to tell her, but finding out that her own mother had an abortion, that's just, like, it's beautiful because, again, it's women aren't just mothers and women who have abortions. It's often the same, the same individuals. Yeah, and it definitely, you know, changed their relationship um, that was going through a rough patch, clearly, um, and I think made it stronger. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, if anyone, if Donna's character does have a child, she would also tell her son or daughter, you know, sort of just keeping it, the stories going. One thing I was wondering, um, kind of the idea of, you know, the movies that are playing in the, uh, the clinic waiting room. That's amazing, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering why uh, you chose Gone with the Wind as the movie that uh, Donna watches as she, post-abortion, so the last scene in the movie, uh, she's had her abortion, she's home, she's kind of cozy, um, Max is there, and they turn on Gone with the Wind. Uh, yeah, tell us about that choice. Well, it does play on Valentine's Day. So there are a lot of movies that play on Valentine's Day, and we didn't want to reference like a uh, 80s movie, I mean... We could have, but we didn't. We, we wanted to hit two things. One, we, it, it had to be long, and 80s movies were not long. And we wanted it to um, be sort of romantic and something that uh, Donna was insecure about asking, like, do you, do you really want to watch Gone with 
the fucking win. It's three hours. With commercial breaks, it's like six hours. Don't <laughs> you have somewhere to be? And, you know, that sort of insecurity you have with a, a new beau. Um, but he was a mensch, and he was a great guy, and he said that I will be here, you know, through the commercial breaks with you. And that was our version of a, a happy ending of our white picket fence, you know? If you'll stay through the commercial breaks. Yeah, TNT, TBS movie. <laughs> We actually got um, a question for the audience uh, that, that sort of ties in. Yeah. Uh, why did you make him so nice? <laughs> he's not too nice, though, right? I mean, he's the normal nice. He's the, uh, I think there's so many uh, depictions of, of dudes in movies, and um, what, what makes it the, the conflict, conflict is that, you know, he's a big baby, and... Um, what he changes because the woman changes him or, you know, he can't handle certain things and he's, you know, an idiot. But uh, those aren't the men that we wanted to write about. Those aren't the men who are in our lives. Um, we wanted a complex gentleman who is smart and beneath his jockey exterior that, ha that had a, you know, a, a grown-up sweetheart. I did sort of appreciate that as kind of like the, at, when we first meet him, he's kind of a typical jock character. He's kind of like, uh, he's like come to Williamsburg cause to see all, where all the cool kids hang out. And I liked that this like typical white male jock character was the pariah for a lot of the movie. He was sort of outcast in this world that he had walked into. It was refreshing he's to see that. slip-ons without socks like in February. God. <laughs> I would kill for slip-ons right now though. <laughs> Actually, the, well, one of the other audience questions I saw uh, was uh, your thoughts on Crocs. What? They're the best. Um, <laughs> I'm the proud owner of those orange Crocs. I have not taken them off of my feet except to leave the house. Sometimes I leave the house with them. Rare, very rarely. Um, they're, try them. Have you tried them? You're um, in your seventh month. Try them. I got... I got the moccasins. Those have been working out okay. Oh, I didn't know they made a moccasin. Uh, not not the croc one. It's oh. the... I, I just can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't knock it till you I'm try I'm too it. proud. <laughs> it's the best feeling. Although I'm not too proud for my husband to help me into my shoes some mornings. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about what you're working on next? Yeah. I just wrapped a pilot that I co-created with Elizabeth Holm, who uh, co-wrote the movie with me. Um, yeah, I was, we're color correcting and sound designing right now, and, um, you know, fingers and toes crossed that they pick it up. It also starred Jenny Slate. Uh, awesome. Ari Grainer's in it, and uh, Gabe Liebman has a little cameo. It, it's, it was really fun. Um, and now we're writing a, a movie to get Liz and I are writing a movie together um, right now. It's called Untitled Divorce Comedy. Because <laughs> divorces are just as funny as abortions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to have a baby. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. To both of you guys. Yeah. Also. <laughs> it, do you think that. See you in the labor room. <laughs> yes. We can watch Gone with the Wind together. Or bring it on. Or bring it on. <laughs> Do you think that reproductive rights and abortion is something that you'll revisit in your work again in the future? Is it something you kind of want to dig more into? I mean, I don't think I'm going to make Obvious Child 2 anytime <laughs> soon. 
Um, who knows? Maybe in 3D or something um, for that big, big paycheck. Um, no, I think reproductive rights and justice, you know, I will always fight for and with, and I don't know how it'll come out in future projects. Um, but I think the idea of, of um, always having strong women characters is going to you know, be a part of my work forever and ever. Um, so we'll see what happens in the future. Awesome. Yeah. Um, we're going to play uh, one more clip. Um, it's a stand-up scene where uh, Jenny Slate actually talks about scheduling the abortion. Um, is there anything you would like to say about that scene? Nothing to say. No, it was a fun <laughs> scene to shoot. We shot it at Trash Bar in Williamsburg, which is either closed or closing down. Um, we shot it, the, all the comedy scenes over a course of three days, um, starting at like 5 a.m. So Jenny was doing all of that comedy. Wow. Super early and, and super And she sober. was like playing drunk in this scene, right? Oh, yeah. So I think it's really hard to play drunk at 5 a.m. It's actually kind of close. Oh. Like, <laughs> all right. Close feeling. If you're like really sleepy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That euphoric, weird feeling. Um, and yeah, we're really uh, proud that we didn't um, all die trying to pee at a trash bar. Because trash bar is the most disgusting bathroom. <laughs> So we're all glad we didn't catch a disease from their toilet. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> please thank, thank you Gillian so much. Gillian Rose-Pierre, so delighted that she's here. Obvious child, it's wonderful. Thank you. thank you. I came here tonight on a very different mission, and uh, that is to um, say to you <clears throat> that... Um, Sorry, which is to um, say to you um, that I am pregnant. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, okay, all right. Testing the waters, I dropped that one down. Uh, the second thing that I would like to say right now out loud, and I'm going to say it out loud right now, out loud right now, I'm fine, everything's fine, just rolling along with this out loud right now, um, is that I uh, am going to have an abortion, okay, okay, keep breathing, uh, tomorrow, which is Valentine's Day. So <laughs> we'll start from there. I'm sure you're wondering uh, how this happened. Uh <laughs> Little thing that I like to call uh, getting banged out <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> the heat, heat, heat of the night um, by uh, a very nice person um, that I don't know very well at all. I don't know. He was a stranger, um, but a nice one. Probably the best of all the strangers that are out there. <laughs> and, of course, you guys aren't strangers anymore because now you're part of my life in a big way. <clears throat> so I don't know if uh, you've gleaned that maybe I'm not ready to be a mom. You're like, no shit, you are not ready <laughs> to be a mom. And so I um, decided to get the abortion. But I really do love pregnant ladies. And um, there's lots of things about being a mom that seem fun. But for me, it's just like, I can't tell anyone to shut off the TV. <laughs> Equaling I can't shut off the TV. Um <laughs> 
I decided to tell my mom and I thought she was going to like you know, be super upset and like set me on fire and be like, you can never come back to the synagogue, which is also kind of fantasy that I'd never have to go back to the synagogue. Uh, so boring. Everyone's breath is horrible um, there. But instead, <laughs> she was like, uh, she was very relieved. And she actually ended up telling me that she herself had gotten an abortion um, in the 60s, which is... Um, pretty amazing because the the bushes were so big then <laughs> that you know they must have really you know really had to uh to hunt for it <laughs> and i can say that because you know once once you're you get an abortion you can reveal who else has had them so um excited to be on the list of uh of the very many women that, that have done this. <laughs> Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. And uh, I can honestly say <laughs> uh, it's not going to be the worst Valentine's Day I've ever had. <laughs> it's going to be okay because um, I know that I'm not, I'm not alone. I'm totally... Uh, totally here you guys are here you're all gonna come with me tomorrow <laughs> but it's gonna be um um i think it's gonna be okay and uh, afterwards i'll just uh i'll be in my future and uh you know we'll go from there right <laughs> i guess so um that's really it. You guys have been very generous to me tonight, and I've really enjoyed myself. So um, thank you, and happy V-Day. I hope you get all the uh, candy that you uh, want and deserve. That's it. Thank you. Wasn't that great? <laughs> I loved Gillian so much. It was there. I felt like you and you and her really had this like moment of connection because you were like, oh, we're both pregnant. <laughs> and Ksenia had on these amazing earrings with little babies dangling from them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Plastic babies. No, actual babies. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, thank you guys so much for listening and hanging out with us and offering us your feedback and talking about movies and being total nerds with us over the past three years. We have appreciated it so, so much. We love you. Bye, guys. We love you. And uh, yeah, Bonnie and Maude shall live on in some form in the future. So stay tuned. Psh.